Hey guys. For y'all that don't know me, I'm Eric. Pat gave me a much kinder introduction than I deserve. Uh, but uh, he wanted me to talk on Thanksgiving. And, and before I even talk on Thanksgiving, uh, I want to say Halloween is... I'm always regretting Halloween. Like, I, I hate Halloween, but uh, always have fun. Did you know Halloween is the second most expensive holiday next to Christmas? It's, I mean, you probably know. Y'all spent all kinds of money on your kids, and they wear the costume once. And then we had a little go-kart parade. I don't know how many hundreds of dollars they spent on candy, because it went all through Port Ages, all through Groves, and every kid got fed candy for the night. Uh, but when I'm out walking the streets with my kids, and I'm out sitting in driveways with my family, you know, you, you, you see the sense of community that uh, is well worth that money. Um, there's no doubt that Pat had Thanksgiving in mind when he um, wanted us to talk about Thanksgiving this month, and and we all think of the Pilgrims when we talk about when we think about Thanksgiving, and, and when we when you think of the Pilgrims, we think of the feast, but we don't always think about the history of the Pilgrims and the, and the suffering they went through when they when they left Holland in 1621. They were in a rush. They were in a hurry. There were supposed to be two boats, but they only could fit one, which means half the people got left behind. They say that people were crying so much, they just had to get away from their family because they couldn't bear leaving their family behind. And then when they got on that ship, it was 10 weeks of misery and misery and all the things that go along with misery that I won't describe. And when they finally get to America, they had to stop early and it was cold. The ground was too frozen to plant anything. It was November, and it was a miserable, miserable winter. There was 102 passengers on that ship, and out of 102, 54 of them died that winter, either from starvation or from disease. There was 30 crew members, and half the crew members died that first winter. So, when we think of Thanksgiving, sometimes it always starts off pretty miserable, pretty bitter. Um, go on to the, the Ecclesiastes. There's going to be a lot of people coming after me, talking about the Thanksgiving of friends, the Thanksgiving of family, the Thanksgiving of freedom. But I, I want to talk about the Thanksgiving when you don't think you have anything to give thanks for. Okay, because um, sometimes it will be taken away. The preacher of Ecclesiastes famously quoted, "Vanity of vanities," says the preacher. "Vanity of vanities, all is vanity." And he says, "I've seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind." Which he is saying, "There's nothing on this earth that's going to last. There's nothing on this earth that." has substance that is going to continue on. Every little thing is going to fade away. And he says, be content with what you have. You know, don't go striving for something that you can't get, but just be content with what you have. And that is a true statement. Be content with your family. Be content with your friends. Be content with the very little things that God has given you. But what if even those things are taken away? 
You know, what if, what if you're the pilgrims and you have, you have a lot of hope and that hope is dashed just like that? They forgot fishing poles. They were in such a rush to get out before the winter. When you can't plant anything and all you have to do is fish and you forget your fishing poles behind, you're out of luck. You know, and we like to use eulogies and we say, you know, when your house burns down, well, at least you have your health. You know, when you lose your job, we like to say, well, at least you have your family. But those things are true. But as we know, just a few extra cells and we have cancer and we've lost our health. You know, one, we're one car crash away from losing our children. And in this environment, we're one sneeze away from getting corona. You know, we're, we're one recession away from losing our job, losing our house, losing our spouse. How do you, how do you give thanks when, when all those things, you know, come about? We're going to talk about Colossians today. There's a lot to talk about. And Paul starts off almost just as depressing as the preacher does. He says, if, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Go back. Seek those things that are above, not on earth. Once again, he's saying there's, the things on earth are down here. And the things that are above are up here. And we're supposed to seek those things because the things on the earth are going to vanish. And he says, appear with him in glory. Glory is an important word in the Bible. It always makes reference to... Or not always makes reference, but a lot of times makes reference to God. Glory in the Hebrew has to do with something that has weight, something that has significance. You know, if I want to think of glory, I want to think of like this, imagine like a big, massive lead block. You can't budge it. You can't move it. It's going to be there for millions of years. You punch it. It's not, it's not going to go anywhere. It can crush you. That's glory. It's, it's significant. It's massive. It has weight. It has mass. It matters. And then there's insignificance, which is all of us down here on earth. We're like, a, I don't know, a little popcorn. You can thump it, you know. It lands on the ground, and you completely forget about it. Next week, you won't even remember that piece of popcorn. You know, you eat it. It may give you this much satisfaction, but it disappears real fast. It's, it's insignificant. And God says, the only thing significant is those things that are above. You know, so how do you give thanks for things that are insignificant? You know, how do you give thanks for things that are gone away? How do you give thanks for that little popcorn if next week you're not even going to remember it anymore? In a million years, you're really not going to remember that piece of popcorn. Okay, go on to the next slide. Paul says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion. I like that word passion. Um, 
In the King James Version, it's translated inordinate affections. This is, this is what St. Augustine used to describe this word. This means those things that we love, that we, we get out of order. We like to say God is here, and then our family, and then our country, and then our jobs. But he's saying, no, we get these things out of order. You know, we put, we put our work first, or we put our family first, and then God. Okay, we put our hobbies first. We put all these things first, and then we put God lower. He said, these things get in our way. Evil desires, strong desires that we, we can't get away from whether we want to or not. Covetousness and all these things, you know, he described as idolatry. All the things we put before God, these are the things that are in our life. He said, put to death those things. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are put off, you're put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Get rid of these things, he's saying. Do not lie to one another. And I think this is important. Lying. We live in a world of lies now. Think fake news. How much has fake news crippled our country? How much is fake news and the lies that we talk about just tear our nation apart? How do lies tear our families apart? You you have to get rid of these things. And since you have put off the old man with your deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. This right here should bring us the utmost joy. This, this, this section right here is salvation. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, this, this is horrible. These, these are terrible things. He's talking about the wrath of God. He's talking about things that I really can't do. I'm, I'm never really going to accomplish these things. But Paul is saying he has renewed us first. And when he, when he says put on these things, the, the image in the Hebrew is we, we cloak ourselves. It's talking about like putting on clothes, okay? He says we're putting on clothes of a new man. So when I talked about glory being up here and our insignificance being down here, he's saying I have dressed you in my glory, okay? I have brought you from something insignificant to something significant, First, what you, what you don't want to read is do these things, do these things, or don't do these things, don't do these things, and then I will clothe you in glory. He's saying, I clothed you in glory first, even though you were unworthy of it, even though you're insignificant, even though you're a piece of popcorn, I clothed you in glory first. Now I want you to do these things. Now if that doesn't bring joy, I don't know what would. 
Can you imagine like being so unworthy? You don't deserve anything and yet you're given something? Giving something like of heaven? You're not just like given a car. You're given like salvation even though you're completely unworthy of it. But at the end, Paul has to go, he has to go on and say, but there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Why does he have to go on and say that? Because a lot of times, this joy that I've just described, it rings hollow to a lot of us. It's not like I read it and we're all just super pumped up. None of y'all raised your hands. I didn't get an amen. A lot of it rings hollow. And Paul says, but look, down here, we have Greek and we Jew. We have barbarians. We have Romans that think they're better than the barbarians. We have Jews that think they're better than the Greeks. We have Greeks that think they're better than the Jews. We have Scythians. Everybody thinks they're better than the Scythians. Okay. Why? Why do we think that? And today we do the same thing. Well, I'm saved. I'm a new man. I'm born again. I know I'm better than those communist Chinese. I'm better than those, you know, beggars out in Bangladesh digging through the trash. I'm better than the, you know, drug head on a corner. I'm better than the people in the ghetto. I'm better than the Democrats. I'm better than the Republicans. Because those people just don't get it. We still think like that today. And whenever you think like that, you don't understand that you were given salvation before you did all those things. If you ever think that you're better than someone or better than those people, then deep in your heart, you, you realize that you, you think that you've earned your salvation. I'm better than those people because, well, I don't blaspheme. I don't get angry. You know, I don't have any evil desires, you know, like those drug heads. Okay? I don't have inordinate affections like those workaholics. Okay? I'm better than those people. And you may not say it out loud, but you think it. Or you feel it. And if ever you, you get like that, then you don't quite get the fact that Christ renewed us first and then asked us to do these things. Whenever you can look at a stranger and say, that stranger deserves just what I deserve, okay? That's when you know you have the gospel in your heart. And you, and you say, well, Eric, didn't you say that everything on the earth was insignificant? Everything was down here? Well, I've been born again. I have the glory, and everybody that doesn't have the glory must be insignificant to me. You know, I have the glory of Christ on my shoulders. You know, I have the cloak of, of significance. I'm of this heavenly stuff. You know, and those people that don't have it are, are insignificant. You just told us that. But 
Christ came, well, let me ask you this. Christ is from above. He is everything that is above. There is nothing in heaven that is not of Christ. There's nothing in heaven that wasn't created by Christ or for Christ or for his purpose. But did Christ stay in heaven? No. Christ was everything significant in heaven, and yet he came to earth. He made himself completely insignificant. He made himself lower than the low. He didn't have a home. He didn't have his, his, his own village tried to kill him. Everything about Christ was brought to insignificance. Everything. So when Christ brings the heavenly down to earth, and he brings his kingdom of heaven down to earth, it makes everything of the earth significant. So when I say none of us have significance, when Christ came down to earth, he gave all of us significance. He made all of us, every human being on earth, worth our love. If it was worth, if, if some beggar on the street is worth the love of Christ, then that beggar on the street is worth our love also. So when I say there's nothing on earth that is significant, I'll also say everything on earth is significant because Christ came down to earth. Go on to the next one. So, what do we do then? How do we understand salvation and give thanks for salvation? What I will say is salvation is personal. Salvation is individualistic. There's nothing any one of y'all can do to disrupt my salvation. However, the gospel is not individualistic. The gospel isn't personal. The gospel is a community. It involves a community. Gospel is universal. God didn't say, or Jesus didn't say, I'm going to sum up the law by, by saying you should love the Lord with all your heart and stop there. What did he say? He said you should love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor. There's nothing about the gospel that is strictly personal. And if you think it is, you, you, you don't get it. You have to realize that there is other people out there that deserve God's love. Because if God loved me, who is insignificant and is, is worthy to give me salvation, then I have to understand that all of you and, and all the people in the rest of the world are worthy of God's salvation. But it kind of gets more depressing. That I haven't depressed you already. Paul says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, which is compassion, pity, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, 
to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now, when I look up there, I don't see a whole lot to give thanks about. He's saying, if you love these people the way that I love you, put on tender mercies. Be compassionate. Compassion is not something that you go, oh man, I feel sorry for you. Click, heart. Okay? Compassion is when you suffer alongside somebody else. Having pity on somebody is when you suffer alongside somebody. Their suffering becomes your suffering. Kindness is something, it's another kind of suffering. How many times are we kind when we don't want to be kind? It's not easy to be kind. It takes time out of our day to be kind. Sometimes it takes money out of our checkbook to be kind. Sometimes to be kind means people are going to come in and Dirty your house up. And I just vacuumed. (laughs) Humility. There's nothing thankful about humility. Meekness, long-suffering. I like when they translate long-suffering to long-suffering, not patience. When we think of patience, we think of standing in line at the DMV. You know. No, this is long-suffering. When the pilgrims landed in, you know, what is now Plymouth, they suffered a long time. You don't just starve to death, you know, in a few minutes. It's not like getting shot and you you slowly die. Even burning, you know, burning may take, I don't know, 15 minutes. Starving to death takes months. Dying from disease takes months. Months. It's a slow, agonizing death. And I guarantee you those pilgrims suffered long because half the people on that boat were children. And I know those adults gave those children food. Only one-third of the people on the, on the Mayflower were actual Separatists. These are the actual pilgrims. And I know those pilgrims gave their food away to people they called strangers who probably didn't know God. And I'm sure the crew of that boat didn't know God either until the pilgrims gave their food away to those people who were suffering. That's long suffering. When you watch your wife die for months. That's long-suffering. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Forgiving one another is, is a sacrifice that's painful. If you owe me $1,000 and I forgive you of your debt, it costs me $1,000. You owe me $1,000 and I'm, I'm having to eat. When you do me wrong and I forgive you, it's not like the pain disappears. The pain is still there. You did me wrong, but I'm forgiving you, but that doesn't mean the pain goes away. I'm suffering with that pain because I forgive you. I'm not, I'm not causing you pain. That's what I would like to do. But I'm taking the pain in on myself. There's a lot of suffering involved Put on love. 
There's, no, there's nothing selfish about love. And why do we, why do, we do these things? And you say, I, I don't know if I can do these things. I don't know if, if I'm strong enough to really be long-suffering. I don't know if I were, if I were starving to death that I, I, could, I could sacrifice my bread for that other guy over there. And I don't know if I can be patient with these people. And you think, well, this is, this is really depressing. But all this was already fulfilled. All, all these things that we're supposed to do for our community has already been fulfilled. There's nobody that had more compassion than Christ when he was not given compassion. When Christ was dying, what did Christ say? Forgive these people. They know not what they do. Now that sacrifice, because they deserved, they deserved the wrath of God. They could have easily gotten the wrath of God. But Christ did not give them what they deserve. He gave those people glory because, just because, not because of anything they did. Jesus was kind. Jesus was, hum- Jesus was humble when he didn't have to be. He's God. Jesus literally is God. So imagine being the most humble man in the world. Where they, they take your clothes. They take your clothes. They take your dignity. They take your rights. They take your freedom. And he took it. There's nobody meeker than Jesus. There's nobody who suffered longer than Jesus. In fact, he suffered for all of us. When he's on that cross, he suffered for every single one of us. And when he was denied by his father, there's no more greater suffering than that. He bore us, even though we didn't deserve it. He forgave us with his own blood. He gave us love that we didn't deserve. He gave us the glory that we didn't deserve. And when you know that God did this already for us, even though we don't deserve it, that's when you'll know that there's a peace of God in your heart, to which also we were called in one body. We're not just individuals living in this world, we're one body. We're the church. We're the church and strangers. We're the church and communist Chinese or Russians or, or immigrants. Okay? We're, we're a community. The gospel does not exist in a vacuum where we're hermits. We live in a community. Go on to the next one. And when you know this, he said... Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. This is the wisdom of the gospel. And let it dwell richly in you and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Though we come together as a community to praise the Lord, though we come together as a community to give communion, though we come together as a community to celebrate, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Go on to the next one. I'm going to end 
with an idea C.S. Lewis has on praise. And in his book, Reflections on the Psalms, he said, what, what is praise? What is thanksgiving? He said, joy always spontaneously overflows into praise. He said, the expression of praise completes or consummates the enjoyment. Whenever you have joy, what's the last thing you do? Is you go out and you tell somebody. When you have joy, when you like are super thankful, what do you do? You post it on Facebook so everybody can see. When you're a little kid and you have something exciting, it may not be that exciting to us. You know, Mom, I'm upside down. You, you have to show your parents 10 times over and over. When you have joy, you don't just hide it with, within yourself. Joy includes the community. You kneeling people, close your ears. But two weeks ago, you know, we had the, the epic Mid-County Madness football game between Port Natchez and Nederland. <laughs> the very end of the game, Port Nature scores a touchdown. Two seconds left. They score a touchdown. They win the game. What's the first thing that little boy did? They caught the touchdown. He ran to the stands. He ran to the stands, and the entire stands were erupting with his joy. His joy resonated with the entire community of Port Nature's. All the sacrificing he did in practice, all the sacrificing the coaches did in practice, he, he got to share with the entire community. Can you imagine that? This one little boy's touchdown made the entire community proud and happy and joyful. The Indianettes, the cheerleaders, the band, all that work consummated right there and they got to share it. And everybody there put it on Facebook so the rest of us can share it. This is what Christ wants when we have Thanksgiving. And like I said, sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's, it's dark, sometimes it's, it's sacrificial. But can you imagine having the joy of salvation, you know, in your community? When Christ healed, you know, the, the lame... Christ said, now don't go tell anybody. What's the first thing they did? They ran out and told people. When Christ talked to the woman at the well, he picked apart her entire life. And what's the first thing she goes and does? She goes and tells everybody. Can you imagine that kind of joy? When you're like, when you're insignificant and Christ shows you that he loves you, Imagine the joy that you'll go out into your community and exclaim. You know. Anyway, let's pray. Lord, I'm just glad we can get together with our community. Give thanks. Share your love with, with each other. Lord, let us just consummate your salvation with joy, forgiveness, sacrifice and let us know that you loved every single one of us and you gave us our you gave us your glory in Jesus name amen